This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. Here on Hope Breakfast, we love celebrating people doing amazing things in the community. And our next guest, Corey Tut, does that in spades. At only 29 years old, he's the founder of Deadly Science, a program which fosters STEM education in remote Indigenous communities. Corey was also named 2020 New South Wales Young Australian of the Year for his work, and he joins us on the show to share all about it. Good morning, Corey. Uh, thank you so much, Sam, for having me once again. And um, thank you for the lovely compliments. Um, it was really nice. I'm not 29 yet. I'm 28, but I'm turning 29. So um, I'm no longer going to be in that young category uh, very soon. So <laughs> I'm in my 30s, Corey. So, you know, go easy, mate. Go easy. They say 30s the new 20, so it's all right. <laughs> someone, someone said that. Now, look. I want to introduce Hopeland to you because you and I have known each other for a while. In fact, I'm rocking the Deadly Science t-shirt as we speak. But for those who uh, don't know you, let's go back to high school. What were you into? Were you a science buff back then? Well, yes and no. Um, I was probably one of those kids that you'd consider not really naughty, but probably disengaged with school a little bit. I was in the paddocks picking up lizards and um, actually, I went to school at Dapto High, which is famous for Bob Fulton, rest his soul. It was the most famous student that we'd form a student. But I spent a lot of time, you know, walking around the paddocks, Adapto High, picking up brown snakes and red belly black snakes and water dragons and you name it. Probably when I'm meant to be learning, what I was meant to be learning and spending time in the classroom and focusing on my studies. Um, it was an escape for me. I really, you know, I love animals. Um, I've always loved animals. I've always had a, like a, you know, a real epiphany with animals and a lot of my knowledge is based around animals as well because I used to study them when I was a kid but for me like I was always interested in the things around me and how things work like cars and but I never saw myself as a scientist actually I didn't really enjoy science in the early years of school often science was taught to me and it was taught in the boring form but I remember being in the classroom loving the practical experiments and and wondering how like just you know sort of getting my head around how things work but when it came to like periodic tables and stuff, I was hopeless. It wasn't until I was much older that I, I kind of learned how to study and learned how to, you know, learn that you need to do both, really. You need to enjoy the practical side of things, but you also need to learn the um, theoretical side of things as well. That's very cool. So then further down the track, Deadly Science began, which is, it's, it's taken off in recent years. But how did it begin? How did Deadly Science start? Well, Deadly Science just started with, you know, kids like me like I told you you know it was kids that you know probably school isn't really for them and yeah being a Camilleroy man I'm I'm very passionate about my people and I'm passionate about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people doing well and being resilient being strong and I wanted to give back because I you know I'd lived quite a bit of a troubled life when I was younger and in the sense of I'd had experienced a lot of trauma and um, especially childhood trauma but I'd come out the other side of that and I figured that you know, if I had something to offer in terms of a mentoring role, we know that mentors change lives. My first book was Reptiles in Colour by Harold Cogger, and that book changed my life. Um, But I also met a man uh, when I was 16 that worked at Tronga Zoo, who was an Aboriginal man named Paul Sinclair. And, you know, the notion you can't be what you can't see, I was, I really admired Paul um, as as a kid because, you know, I didn't know any other Aboriginal zookeepers and that, that is exactly what I wanted to do. So I, I figured that, you know, it was time at that point in my life, it was time that I had spent some time with younger people, just like Paul did with me. And I started volunteering for this um, Indigenous program. And it was this career days, it was these career days here, but there was no science. And I was working in science at the time. And 
Um, it actually just started with me on my iPhone and doing these talks with these kids and, you know, talking about rockets and you name it. And kids are the best scientists because they, we all have a natural epiphany with science, you know, whether you're getting in a Tesla and you're wondering how those motors and those sort of gears work and then how a car just becomes so fast without any making any engine noise, you know, that is a form of science. This interview is a form of science. I'm putting words together as a form of chemistry. We're communicating with each other, you know, and the hypothesis is that you're going to like what I have to say or you're not but you know that like science is all around us but you know our people are the first scientists of this country and um you know we're the first astronomers we're the first forensic scientists for a long time the New South Wales police force employed aboriginal trackers to find people in the bush because we were the first forensic scientists um it was just you know it's just fact so when you know I'd go to these events and these kids are you know there's NRL there there's AFL there there's art there's the army um I really just wanted to give them another option, which was science. It sort of grew from there. And these talks, I, you know, quite literally got mobbed during these talks. It was, you know, 40 or 50 kids that would just stand around me. They'll be asking me all these questions and I'll be trying to answer. Sometimes I'd have to come back a week later and be like, here's the answer to your question that, you know, I, I didn't know on the top of my head. I'm not a genius. Um, <laughs> so I had to go and work and find out the answers to a lot of these things. And then it sort of evolved and I did what most weird people do. And it was probably a time in my life where I figured that I'm in my mid-20s. I play a bit of footy on the weekend. I go to work. I come home. I like I was in a relationship at the time, but I wasn't necessarily spending my money or my time doing productive things. So I go, you know what, I could do more. And I did what most weird people do. And I started Googling remote schools and figuring out, you know, these kids are so good at science and so smart. And I believe in them. What can I do at an earlier age? And what can I do for the kids in community that don't live in the city, um, that don't get the option to have science, you know? And I started sort of contacting these schools and then, you know, particular schools would have like 15 books in the school. They'd have like 50 books in the school, but none of them are science. We have no science equipment here. We don't really teach STEM. We don't really have the, the capability to teach the science that, you know, that is appropriate. So I guess I just, that's how it sort of built. Um, I packed up every book I owned, including that book, Reptiles and Colour, and I sent it off because I know that if a kid picks up that a book that I've sent for five minutes and reads through it, then that's five minutes that that kid gets to escape into a book and learn and, and thrive and grow. Um, and that five minutes is better in that kid's hand than sitting on a shelf somewhere gathering dust. You know, that's how it kind of grew. And then I'm like, well, why not send a telescope? Why not send a microscope? Why not send a set of kits that is going to you know create a dozen lesson plans it went from those 40 or 50 kids that i was sort of impacting to now nine and a half thousand kids that across australia that are you know they're loving deadly science just last night as i was sort of in bed i get this message flash off my phone and it's a teacher sending me these photos of you know these kids doing engineering and it's because of deadly science and i think you know that's just for me that's like you know, there's there's so many things that are negative around the world at the moment. There's like, you know, we've got this huge pandemic that's just um, affecting everyone. You know, it's affected me. It's affected you. It's, you know, it, and it's it's really sad. Like, you know, we see a lot of the stuff that's happening in India at the moment, which is terrible. But for me, when I see a kid holding a deadly science book or, you know, or I see something positive, 
it reminds me that humanity is actually quite beautiful, you know, and it's um, we actually do have a lot of good in the world that we we should be embracing. Sometimes the negativity sells papers and, you know, gets clicks and and that's fine. And I'm guilty of clicking on that stuff myself. But, you know, I know that every day that a, that a kid benefits from Deadly Science and this charity, then it's going to be a really good day. The name Deadly Science. Can you explain to us what, why you chose Deadly Science? Well, you're not going to die. Um, <laughs> deadly, <laughs> deadly is a form of slang that um, us mob use to describe something as cool or awesome. Um, we actually share that with the Irish. Um, I'm not really sure and you know where it's actually come from, but there's sort of a lot of words that have a negative connotation in the English language, but also have the opposite in the Aboriginal um, English language. Mm. And that and that's kind of what deadly science is. So, you know, when, when us mobs say something's awesome or cool, we always say that's deadly, you know, that's cool. Cause it's, um, it's always gives a, the impression that it's dangerous, but it's actually the opposite. And, you know, when I was speaking with these kids originally, they're like, well, this is science, but it's also deadly science. Mm. And that's where the name came from. I played around with a few names for a while because I, I figured that, you know, I probably should call this something because it's beyond just me. Yourself, Sam, you're wearing a deadly science shirt now. Um, there's 12 and twelve and a half thousand followers on Instagram and, um, you know, 13,000 followers on Twitter that are following deadly science and you know they're they're a little bit like me they're probably sick of seeing all the negative stuff around aboriginal and torres strait islander people but you know they know when they click on a deadly science profile they click on a photo that they're going to get something positive which is the truth you know Mm. and not every aboriginal kid is up to no good and not every aboriginal kid is a bad person actually majority of them are great people and so there's a minority that get into trouble but that's because of the problems that have been caused by intergenerational trauma and, you know, when we, when we open up our hearts and we open up our minds and we see that for what it is, then we're probably going to need to support these people a lot more. What I love, Corey, is that you started this whole thing sending off textbooks, but uh, now you have a monthly column in K-Zone magazine, which is such yeah. a big kids magazine, and you've also written a few science books of your own, which are coming out later in the year. Yeah, that's correct. So um, I started writing for K-Zone because... Um, not because I want to get a million, million dollars because, you know, I don't, um, but <laughs> fees go back into the schools. So I wanted to put Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids in the, the, the picture with science and I wanted them to, to see themselves in a magazine. And um, so, you know, the stories I write about in K-Zone are, are telling the deadly science stories, you know, the stories that we have permission to tell that, um, you know, other kids can read about. Other kids can read about, you know, kids in Kirikanya picking up bilby scats and, you know, discovering new bilbies. I mean, that's awesome. Like, so cool. what kid doesn't want to read about that? Um, so, you know, this is kind of my way of giving back. Um, and I have a bit of fun with it, obviously, because K- who doesn't like K-Zone? I mean, it's a great <laughs> magazine. I grew up reading K-Zone. You know, I remember we, I used to buy the Kazo magazine from the op shop for 50 cents um, and read the old ones. And I think that, you know, it's such an honour to write for such a, you know, great children's magazine. Um, and I've got some books coming out later in the year as well. One of my books is called The First Scientist, which is, um again, it's about, you know, past tense and present tense, Aboriginal science still to this day, um, First Nations people, you know, contributing to the world of STEM. And yeah, we're getting it done. There's been a lot of discussion around gender and, and STEM learning. As a 
proud Kamilaroi man, how are you hoping First Nations students will see their future options as they grow up and, and maybe even look to you as someone who's a trailblazer in this in this world? Uh, I don't think there should be any boundaries to STEM. I think we're stronger if we have equal opportunities in STEM. You know, we need more young women in STEM and young First Nations women in STEM. We need more young Torres Strait Islander and Aboriginal people um, in science, you know, learning from their ancestors, their ancestors who were the first scientists. And, you know, they're, they're people today who still are contributing to science. I mean, um, you know, ecology does it really well where, you know, we have a lot of ranges and a lot of partnerships, but, you know, we need more um, astronomers, we need more chemists, we need more, you know, people just being able to be creative. And I think with science, um, especially our young ones, um, we try and encourage young students from being creative in science. And, you know, I think that being creative and being brave is is really what makes science great. I mean, some of the best discoveries in the world and in history have come from people that have been brave to be creative and think outside the box. And, you know, we need to have equal STEM because if we don't, we're just going to have the same pro- generational problems we've had. And, you know, we need to eliminate, eliminate gatekeeping. Um, and we do that by having an equal, an equal science. It's easy to forget that you're young, Corey, and you've done a lot. And I know I don't actually don't know how you fit everything into your day because I know that a lot of your spare time is deadly science and, and posting out books to people around Australia. What's, what's next for you? Do you see the, as deadly science grows, are you committing more time to the work of deadly science? How's it working for you? Oh, look, I, um, I think that deadly science is beyond just me. It's a community. Um, you know, yourself, you're wearing a deadly science shirt right now while we're doing this interview. It's, and it needs to keep growing beyond me because, you know, in a perfect world, deadly science doesn't exist because everyone has the same opportunities, but for now it does. Um, and I need to help build deadly science. So, you know, we get these deadly junior scientists coming up, taking control of this um, organisation and, and inspiring the next generation. For me, I am, um, you know, I quite like the quiet life. I've built some frog hotels in my backyard and <laughs> I would love to get out to more communities, but I'm, I'm trying to actually bring more people up with me so that um, deadly science um, grows beyond this face, beyond this voice, and that it's here, for, here to stay um, to as long as we need it. Mm. If people have uh, heard this chat and for the first time discovered the work of Deadly Science and want to get behind you and support the work you're doing, how can they do it? Uh, just jump on the socials. I mean, if you can donate and if you can afford to in these times, um, you know, it's greatly appreciated. They don't go to waste. Jump on the socials, hit that like, hit that follow, um, tell your friends about it. Um, you know, the the best news that we get from our supporters every day is, you know, oh, wow, I my friend just told me about this and, it's really made my day better because I'm seeing such positive images and um, positivity. And um, the more we can do that, the better it will be because you, know, you never know that, you know, a deadly science post or a, a positive post for someone else might be the thing that makes someone's day better. And, you know, we want to have good days instead of bad days because we have too many of those. Well, you're making the world a better place, Corey, and, of course, all those that are part of the Deadly Science community. If you want to find out more, you can at deadlyscience.org.au and on the socials. Corey Tut, thank you so much for joining us on Hope Breakfast and taking us into the world of Deadly Science. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's um, it's good to be on this program again, and, um, yeah, thank you for your time. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.